I, I hear all the time from my patients, oh, I'm so broken. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to fall apart. I feel like I'm falling apart. And I have to like really exercise those demons, mm-hmm. you know, exercise, ex- exercise, <laughs> exercise those demons um, <laughs> of being like, no, you're not fragile. You can do this. Yeah. You will be able to do this. Like maybe we can't do it right now, but we will eventually be able to get you to that point. And I think. Welcome to the Beyond Physio podcast, where we help you move, excel, and inspire others on your journey to your next level with knowledge and advice from experts and testimonials from our like-minded community. Welcome to the Beyond Physio podcast. Today we have with us Marcella Lops. She is a local rolfer, and today we're going to be talking about rolfing. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me here. Um, So just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you became a rolfer. So I moved to America in 2014. I I just want to learn English and, uh, you know, travel. I was 22. Um, and then uh, I worked as a nanny for a few years. And then uh, after a while, I was like, okay, well, should I, you know, I wanted to have a career. Uh, education is always very important to me. But going to college in America, like going to the four years and basic you know, four years, maybe more. Um, it wasn't something that it was like, was interesting to me. I always knew that I wanted to have my own business. So I was like, okay, what can I do here that I can work for someone, but I can also eventually have my own business. So I did some research. Um, I worked in um, in this kind of field of massage in Brazil. Um, so I was like, okay, I think I can do massage. Massage would be something that I would be happy with it. And then, you know, in the future, I can have my own business. Uh, so I went to massage school and then I started working in the rehab center that I worked for four years before I went to Rolfing School. And I just fell in love with what I do. And, um, and then uh, it was time to, to do my own business. But I didn't want to just, like, be another massage therapist. I wanted to provide a service to that would give more autonomy to my clients because when I work for the chiropractor at this clinic that I work um for a lot of years that I was there I would see clients like weekly and I'm like there must be something else that I can do for those people that they would feel better longer Mm -hmm. and then rolfing was uh I knew about rolfing in the first massage program that I went in continued education that I took in the in the long of the years and uh I always there was always rolfing there. They always talked about rolfing. And I'm like, hmm, this sounds interesting. And then um, in 2021, that's when I decided to, that I was going to get into rolfing school. And then moved to Colorado. And um, yeah, and now we're here. Cool. That's That sounds awesome. Like I, I do resonate with that whole concept of uh, giving your patients more autonomy and independence. I mean, I think that's something that we really strive for here mm-hmm. is equipping people to be able to take care of themselves, right? Yeah. So um, uh, not having them be dependent on you to, quote, unquote, fix them all yeah. the time, but uh, them coming to learn the skills and how to kind of fix and correct themselves when, when things go awry. Exactly. So you talk about rolfing, but... Uh, Maybe there's a lot of people out there that don't actually know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rolfing it's a, a combination of uh, manual therapy and movement education. 
So um, we work primarily in the fascial system to find those, to create more, a better alignment, to release the tension that can be holding on um, and preventing, kind of like creating, I see like, like the tension that we have in the body becomes an like obstacle for movement. Mm -hmm. So as a rolfer, I'm working in those what we call like the dips and pockets between the fascias and the layers of muscles um, to free those areas. And then the client can find their perfect alignment with the instructed movement that we do um, in combination with the manual therapy. Yeah, I mean, some people might not know what fascia is. Um, can you explain what fascia is? Fascia, it's like, it's got the, uh, a layer of tissue that we have. And uh, it's like a web-like um, tissue. So we have like, we have many layers. We have like right under our skin. We have in between muscles, uh, organs and everything. So it's like almost like, um, I explained to my clients that it's like a, if you imagine like a uh, a suit, like a, the, the diving suits, mm -hmm. so you have it like that covers your entire body. Mm -hmm. So from your toes all the way to your head, there's fascia and there's many layers of it. So yeah, I mean, in the in the body, there's uh, just to explain to our our viewers, uh, there's different kinds of tissue, right? There's muscular tissue, there's ligaments, there's tendon, uh, and then there's fascia. And fascia is kind of like the connective tissue that separates compartments of the body. Yes. And then, you know, it will surround your viscera or your organs. Um, it also covers uh, pockets and layers of muscle and kind of separates them, right? So uh, some of you guys might be barbecue enthusiasts. I know Matt is a barbecue enthusiast. Uh, if you've ever had to butcher a piece of meat or take off the silver skin the silver skin is a kind of fascial tissue that uh it's not muscle it's not tendon yeah. it's not bone but it's like yeah. what is this uh it doesn't taste very good either but <laughs> in a strange way that is what <laughs> we're working on with rolfing correct? yeah and i tell my clients like get your hands put on your arms and like slightly move around like this glide that you feel this is your fascia moving it around but you touch some areas and it won't move. Mm -hmm. That means like there's like some tension there. There needs to be, we mainly like are hydrating. We are creating that glide in between. We wanted it because the fascia is the, the a system that gives shape to our body. Um, it's like a proprioception um, system of, and then we, there's a lot of, uh, there's studies that proves that there's uh, the fascia that has their own nerve system. So it has a way to communicate to our brain mm. uh, and then give like paying referrals. And so we can work with that in that layer um, to release and the client can uh, can start giving information before we start getting deep in the in the muscles. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, every part of your body and every system has to have some sort of sensory or nerve uh, feedback. Right. So yeah. we have nerves going into our muscles. We have nerves going into our tendons. We have nerves going into each one of our vessels and, and arteries uh, that work and that get input in. And your fascial system is something that connects your entire musculoskeletal system from your bones and the periosteum on the bone mm -hmm. to 
wraps around the muscle and wraps around the tendons and wraps yeah. around the other connective ligaments and tissues. So that uh, neurological input is so important. Um, and uh, I, I mean, just like you said before, there's fascial connections from your diaphragm all the way down to your big toe mm-hmm. or your, your uh, you know, your chest wall down to your shin. I mean, yeah. uh, there's one of my favorite books uh, when I was kind of diving into these things is Anatomy Trains. Yeah. Uh, which I, I know we talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, which kind of shows you that there's these pathways and these trains of connective tissue and fascia that uh, connect uh, different parts of your body. Yeah. What I see like a lot is like sometimes uh, it's not even like the muscle itself that it has some dysfunction. It's su- very superficial. Mm-hmm. And then the clients get surprised like, oh, it's like such a light touch and yeah. it's still like very effective. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Because we are freeing like whatever is on top first. Maybe we don't need to go that deep because this the tension that it's it, you're experiencing it's in in the fascia. So let's free this first. Yeah. And then we can go and then we see what happens. If see if helps, and then if it's not, we're gonna investigate more. Yeah. Yeah. But the fascia gives that a lot of feedback to yeah. us already. So I uh, you said um you know some clients are surprised about how superficial it could be. What are some other misconceptions that people might have about rolfing or, you know, things that they thought rolfing were, but they're, that's not really what it is. I think the pain, the, the painful part is like the most, like people are like, oh, this is so painful. And, uh, well, traditionally the work was, it was developed in the fifties. So I, Dr. Ida Rolf was a scientist and then she, she, because there's some life events and because she was in the lab working, um, learning about the body, she, and then she was like, she, she got into something there. She was like, well, there's something, there's something that is going on um, in the human body that if we reorganize this body, maybe functions better um, as a whole. So... But then, but in the fifties, we used our body in a different way. We were mainly like tools, like we use our body as tools. So now, so then the work, it was intense. Um, I think, um, what I try to explain to my clients is that first let's understand pain. Like, what are you experiencing? Uh, what do you call pain, uh, from the injury, from a pot, from poor posture, is different that we're gonna experience in the in the clinic scenario because here we are creating a safe environment, um, and then we are triggering triggering the sensation. So, yeah, it might sometimes the work is intense, but we are going into that. Uh, we are creating that, so we are exploring that. Um, so I think the first misconception about at least that's not how I work. I don't like to create pain, so. We are communicating a lot throughout the session. Um, another thing that clients, uh, people may uh, get confused is like, oh, it's just like another massage. Um, I'm a massage therapist too. I've been for five years and uh, I can tell that it's not the same thing. I feel like the, the work of rolfing has more intention behind the touch. So the difference is like rolfing is the only modality that combines the the massage and the movement education. We have other therapies that provide just movement education, and then we have incredible 
like massage techniques, like craniosacral is something that a lot of rofers also practice. Uh, so there is a variety of like massage techniques. There is a variety of movement uh, to, uh, uh, practice out there. Rolfing is the only one that combines two. And because I am a massage therapist, so I can tell you that it is different. As a massage therapist, I'm like looking to give relief to the client. Uh, there's an expectation of the client too. When, he, when they come to a session, they expect me to work the whole entire body because they, they're there for the whole entire experience. And then when they come to rolfing, I tell them like, we're going to be looking, I'm going to be working here to look what it's throwing your system or what it's creating this pain. How, um, how can we uh, organize the body in a way that it's going to alleviate pain, but at the same time, correct what the dysfunction that is happening on your system, that's going to make movement easier, that is going to um, allow you to have more functionality of your joints, and also have you more energy because when you're when you're moving when your body when your body has proper alignment movement it's more efficient so you're spending less energy mm-hmm. like just to walk around and do your daily activities mm-hmm. a rolfing session are you moving during like it for traditional massage you you're kind of on the table and mm-hmm. you know they work through the body yeah how is a rolfing session look different so yeah, the cl- the client's way more participative in a in a in a rolfing session. So yeah, we do we do we do I recall um, we we assess, we treat, and then we reassess, and that happens not just in the beginning and at the end of the session. Mm-hmm. We do throughout the session. So I the client comes in, I do an assessment, and then I look I we come up with a strategy for what we're gonna do in that session, mm-hmm. and then the client gets on the table. I do uh, some manual release and I call for movement as we are, as I'm doing the, the manual, um, the manual therapy. And I ask the client to do them, uh, do a like overhead or overhead reach or reach of their legs or even like a pelvic tilt, uh, as I'm working on them, that helps the client to connect mm-hmm. with that part of the body. That's when neuroplasticity happen on the brain and uh so and then the client can i think that's that's when that's why the results are so last longer mm-hmm. than just a massage mm-hmm. because the client is really like present um they're not gonna be sometimes they fall asleep but i try to wake them up <laughs> because you know be present they'll be like be half with me and you can chill a little bit uh-huh. Um, so yeah, and then we do a few things and then we, let's get out of the table. Mm-hmm. Let's see how you're feeling. Let me know. Cause I'm always asking for feedback. Like, yeah. how are you sensing? Yeah. What, it, what, how does that, what do you, what can you tell me about whatever we did? Does mm-hmm. you feel like this is helping for you or do you feel like no? Um, and then if it's, and then sometimes I come up with a strategy in the beginning of the session, but with a few moves that we do here it, and then the client stand up from the table and then I was like, oh, we already accomplished that what we are trying to achieve here. So let's move on to the next part. Mm-hmm. So throughout the session, the clients are in and out the table. Um, and, and what we do in thing, like the whole idea is like, how can I organize, how can I uh, bring some organization in the client's body when they're on the table, but how can them, they get, can stand up and hold that posture on their own? Because I feel like that's the main thing. Like 
I create an alignment when you're on the table, but then how can you bring that alignment into gravity? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that test retest is so important. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we we uh, always try to achieve um, where we're uh, we, we do a test and we have like KPIs, like what are our key performance indicators? Is it hip internal rotation? Is it toe touch? Like whatever that KPI is for that specific client, mm-hmm. do we do an intervention and do we make a change, right? Yeah. Uh, so once we do that intervention and we, we figure out, you know, if that intervention was successful, then we could either hammer it further uh, or change our... Uh, approach. Yeah. Uh, maybe we didn't make the change that we're looking for. Yeah. And then we get them to move, right? Essentially, we try to get um, the person in that new range of motion or that new position to be able to stabilize and understand uh, that new position and further secure it, right? So yeah. exercise movement is going to, just like you said, create that plasticity and that connection to whatever part of that body is mm-hmm. quote unquote injured and allowing us to kind of solidify the work that we did during that session. Yeah. Cause what I see sometimes like you have a, this whole plan before the session start and that, uh, you know, every client responds in a way like, so like the work needs to be efficient. The whole idea is to just to be efficient. So this test, like assess, te- do some intervention and retest helps to the work to be even more efficient like and uh like clients responds in 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 different ways so yeah so i feel like it's a good it's a good way to approach the body mm-hmm. and um having the client participate in the yeah in the session i tell my clients all the time it's like i study anatomy i learned about the body but you live in this body yeah so i need you to be with me here, we're working together. Yeah, this is happening between you know yeah. we're working together to accomplish something. Yeah, I think that communication and really um, being clear about what the expectation is. Like mm-hmm. you are a participant; um, it is your responsibility mm-hmm. to help yourself. Right? Yeah. You can't just if I'm seeing you once or twice a week. Like yeah. there's zero percent chance that we're going to make a lasting change unless mm-hmm. you're an active participant. In yeah, your, in it's what we create. We create some in the session, but then. It's mainly what it's going to give them that uh, freedom of their body back. It's what they do on their daily life. Mm-hmm. But if you're not educating them in the session, they leave there. They don't know how what like the things that they need to do or they just come here, do, th- do this, and then they go back home. They're not even thinking mm-hmm. about like what we did throughout the session. We want, I wanted them to leave the session. I was like, okay, this is what we accomplished here. You need to start keep exploring this on your own and then I encourage them like to come to me like you can you know use our text conversation just to put notes as like you know I noticed this you don't even need to make a conversation like mm-hmm. hi Marcel how are you know just put there just we have our notes of like or even if you have new goals because sometimes clients come in and they want to get rid of things like oh I have this pain I have this lower back pain my foot my foot hurts and I want this I don't want it to hurt so they want the things out like the pain out of their body, but what they, what they, and they start coming and they realize that like how much they can gain. Like, oh, I was, you know, I wasn't even expecting to feel like I can breathe better. Like mm-hmm. I didn't notice before coming here that I wasn't 
breathing like properly. So now I sleep better. So they didn't come in to, you know, improve their sleep, but now their sleep has improved and they're yep. like, oh, I gained this. So that's what like uh, a part of the, the, the beautiful thing about Rolfing is like, it's not like just getting rid of things that they don't want to, it's all the things that they gain with the work too. That's that awesome. they're not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, people come in with a certain set of goals for physical therapy and, and those goals might change. Yeah. They might become greater than they thought that, that, that they were. I thought sophisticated. I was like, oh, you have sophisticated goals. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I see it all. We see that all the time where, you know, people are like, oh my God, I could, I could do this. Yeah. I could do that. Um, and they surprise themselves. Um. So it, we we talked about some of the thing the things that you know Rolfing is really great for. Um, uh, are there you know other specific diagnoses? Do you find that Rolfing is really good for you know chronic low back pain or um, some other underlying issues? I've, a lot of my clients come in because like they're experiencing a like chronic pain resulting from like past injuries or. Uh, really like, but a lot of people come in because they are they don't have anything major. Like, oh, I don't have any injury, but I just really don't feel good on my body. Mm. Like, so, you know, I, they want to change. They don't know exactly what they're looking for. So I'll get a lot of clients that come from that. A lot of clients that just want to improve their body, their performance, athletic performance. They, they just want to, how can I use my body in my favor? How can I use like the... How can I use the ground as a resource? How can I, how can I use my body in a more efficient way? Clients who have a lot of the clients who have like spinal issues uh, come uh, to Rolfing. A lot of like cervical problems, like mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that's a result from modern life, like the way we live. Uh, we see it a lot. So low back, a lot of low back, uh, cervical issues. Um, scoliosis is like a big a big thing because it's also like a condition that you know like there's just so much that we can improve but how can i live with this and live better mm -hmm. a lot of people with uh foot issue foot uh foot uh top pathologies which is like my favorite thing because you know everything is like how this is your support for your whole uh. for your whole system so i get really into the foot i really like that kind of uh. work uh but yeah basically tell me a little bit more about that like where is how do you, why do you like the foot so much? So what I see is with the foot, when we create more stability, more support, more balance, uh, we can distribute our weight better. So if you have functional arches, if your toes are engaging, if you have mobility on your ankles, then whenever you're doing your daily activities, then you can receive um, more support for your hips, your shoulders, your your spine, and that all starts with with the foot. That in the traditional application of the work, what we call the ten series, mm -hmm. it's when we address the body, like the whole entire body, uh, but then in, in we divide it in ten sessions. Uh, foot is the second one because uh, we start creating that connection from the ground into our spine. Mm -hmm. um, so we work to make sure that the bones are aligned. We have fun uh, functional joints there, and um, we are using um, the structures that we have in the foot to support us into gravity. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people go with like a a top 
down model only or like a bottom up model only where the foot is dictating everything or like mm -hmm. the pelvis is dictating everything. I'm a firm believer that, you know, gravity is yeah. causing both of those things <laughs> to, to be working simultaneously. The gravity is real. I mean, uh, the input from our foot and the input from the rest of our body uh, connecting us to the ground and feeding us information, mm -hmm. that information could be maybe incorrect. Um, and then we could base our compensatory mechanisms on that faulty information. And then you just keep on going down this rabbit hole of yeah. other compensatory mechanisms from this false information that we're getting from our foot. So, I mean, uh, sometimes uh, I am not always a believer in orthotics. Yeah. And some patients, I think, kind of require it. Those that have all of a sudden got some sort of foot pathology, mm -hmm. either through injury or through repetitive stress, like maybe they tore a tendon in their plantar yeah. fascia or their foot and they need some support. But uh, I'm a firm believer that we need to teach people how to use their feet yeah, and how to sense the ground and where their foot placement is because it really does dictate like what else is going on along yeah. the hip and the low back. And We are um, constantly loading our hip every time mm -hmm. that we take a step. The foot is loading us. So how can you... How can you use your foot in a way that it's going to load at your hip, but in a way that's not going to create imbalance? Mm -hmm. You know, it requires the hip to stabilize in a way that it's not uh, natural yeah. to compensate that, you know, that you're using more one side of your foot mm -hmm. than the other. Yeah. So your hip feels that like that uh -huh. when you when your foot is not hitting the ground, right? Your knees feel it. Your hip feels it. Uh, so. We want that that first contact, and we also have so much mechanoreceptors in the bottom of our foot. Helps with us orient ourselves in space, mm -hmm. and it creates it, and also allows us to have more adaptability. Mm -hmm. So I see I see a lot of clients, like older clients, that it's like, oh, I have a and I keep on rolling my ankles. Like, how can how can we have functional feet? Like, you're gonna be adaptable. So even if you hit you're walking outside and there's like uneven ground. And you're able to yeah. to adapt yourself and not even go into that injury because mm -hmm. your body just knows how to to bring in into the proper alignment. I tell people all the time, and I, I experience this with my clients, is that uh, one of the best ways to retrain or uh, understand how retrain the body's ability to sense the ground yeah. is to load people up, right? Yeah. So Give them weight, right? Yeah. Force gravity to be, uh, force those sensations from the ground to be even greater, right? So we'll have them do a squat or a deadlift or a mm -hmm. lunge uh, with some like pretty significant weight. Yeah. And what do I find that is that uh, once we do that, it kind of magnifies all the sensation that they were getting. And then they understand like, oh my God, like all my weight is on my big toe right now. I don't, I don't know why I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm like, because right now you're just trying to find a way to successfully achieve this task I gave you. Yeah. Right. And now you could see the problems that you're having yeah. or, or the reasons why you're having some of these problems. Now you're like super aware. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I just find it to be like a magnifying glass. That's you pretty just, cool. That, you just I never thought about that. Magnify the whatever sense, uh, uh, sensations they're getting or, um, 
And we use that to retrain. Like we'll use some wedges yeah. to kind of shift their weight towards a different part of their yeah. body or we'll use resistance bands and it's kind of like a feed forward effect where yeah. we'll uh, kind of uh, shift them into their compensation and then they have to shift out of it. Yeah. Right. So like we kind of reinforce their compensation and then use the band as a resistance so that they actually actually have to actively try to resist oh, okay. going into their compensation. So yeah. I find that kind of reprogramming is super, super important in the early onset. I yeah. think in the late onset uh, or the later stages of recovery, I think it's super important to not to uh, have people believe that they're fragile. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that mentality of fragility is yeah. something that's very, it's a very thin line that rehab professionals and massage therapists, we have to kind of navigate around, right? Because yeah. we don't want to be like, oh, don't put your big toe down or like yeah. your pinky toe, like that you're going to blow your ACL if you put your pinky yeah. toe down. So I, I think in the early onset, really giving them the information and understanding that there is some nuance there, mm -hmm. but there is room for error. Yeah. And if we are able to load up and build up resiliency, yeah. that they will eventually be able to do it on their own mm -hmm. without falling apart. Like I, I hear all the time from my patients, oh, I'm so broken. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to fall apart. I feel like I'm falling apart. And I have to like really exercise those demons, mm -hmm. you know, exercise, ex exercise, <laughs> exercise those demons. Um. <laughs> Of being like, no, you're not fragile. You can do this. Yeah. You will be able to do this. Like, maybe we can't do it right now, but we will eventually be able to get you to that point. And I think, um, like, I think rolfing is really, really important because it's instilling that idea of uh, we're making these changes. We want them to last mm -hmm. so that you can do what you want to do. Like, exactly. getting back to your goal. Yeah. I feel like that uh that like the mental part is it plays a bit huge huge like, uh, role in when you're treating patients. I I think yes as a, as a therapist as a body I call myself body therapist. <laughs> you you are we are working in the body but we are if we don't shift the software change is not going to happen. We're working on hardware but we got to shift some software. software I like yes. it. I like that. So the change happens here. Yeah. And a lot of like times when I'm calling for movement throughout one during the session, I want I just ask for the movement. Like can you reach with your heel? And then I see like power because we think like okay, I have to do this and I have to be strong and I have to go as fast as I can. And then I let them do like and then I was like, and I was like, okay, let's do it again now. But we, I want you to use that only that part. See that when you did it before, you use your low back arched, you your shoulder, you had to adjust. You're helping with your whole entire structure. So I wanted them to do that fail. Like I wanted them kind of like failing in yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta fail do... to succeed. Sometimes, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's important. Like we, it's a, there's like there's room for change when you was like, okay, I did it wrong. Like how can I get it right? So then they're like even more focused. Mm -hmm. Now they're now they're bringing their whole attention to that, and they do that in their daily lives because they practice getting curious about what is going on. We're like, oh, why is that? Why am I? Why uh -huh. am I doing that? What is this hurting? And then I always get texts from clients like after the session, like, you know what? You told about my hip, and then 
I noticed that I sit like this a lot. Mm. And then I noticed something in their neck, like a, a rotation happened in their neck. I'm like, you know what? I think it's because I do this all the time. So all of a sudden, they're like coming to me with the diagnosis. Like, okay, now we, now I know what to work with. Yeah. Because they are like they are the per doing like their activities on their life. They are they're getting information because I tell them like pain activation. It's like information. Yeah. So pain is an activation of like something on your body is connecting to your brain, telling you like something's about this. So it's an opportunity to be to improve your condition. So let's get curious about this pain. When when did that pain? When did it start? It. Mm. What do you do that increase? What what do you think it is? Like um, having them questioning that it, it's what like it gets them out of that fear mind because a lot of the what happens with injuries too is that the pain that you experienced in the injury, it's like, it's like the way our brain is programmed to understand like pain. It's like every time that you feel pain, they think it's like a new pain. Yeah. But it's not really like some like, how let's be curious about this okay your your ankle is hurting because you had an injury it's not the same pain but is this pain like the same pain that you felt when you hurt or is this like a different like what do you feel like if you stand on this leg it's gonna break again or yeah. it's like is this like a, a pain like oh no it's a little sore now i feel like it's the the range of motion is limited so it's creating more uh like as it's like pulling and stuff like uh there's like tension so you're getting you're getting to teach them how to differentiate pain, like what are they feeling, and then having them to get, you know, give that, like get curious about it, because that's what helps us help help us to address in the session. Yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, that open communication and really having the patient be the active participant in the recovery is is super super important. And um, I love I love what you're doing. I love everything that you're saying. Um, I think it's, it's super super important. I hope to get treated by you at some point. Um, I hope too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I do want to thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank and, you for uh, having me. You know, we'll hopefully see you soon. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. It really does mean a lot to us. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, or comment if you got at least one or two helpful insights or takeaways to help you get to your next level.